We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Welcome, everyone, to Looks Like We're Lost, Episode 7. Uh, I'm Dustin Redazel, and joining me is a man who's proud to be an American? Question <laughs> mark? It's Tommy Cooksey. Yeah, man. Wow. Uh, for, for context, if you're not listening to this on uh, January 7th, January 6th will go down as one of the probably darker days in American history, huh? I mean, it's, uh, I guess, it. you know, I, I did talk to somebody today who he said this is the essence of America. You have the ability to protest and et cetera. But uh, it seems like this one comes well, with a bit of a stain. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and we'll we'll definitely dive into that. I think calling this a protest is the most generous version of that word. Yeah. Uh, and I, look, I think it's... Calling it a protest is just a fundamental misunderstanding of what protesting is. But uh, I, th- I think that'll get down to like the root of the issue about like what is freedom and what do people think they're fighting for when they do something like storm the Capitol. Right. Um, but let's start with some guess, big news here. Let's start with some big news because well, <laughs> it was G- yeah, January. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the one to spill the beans here. So why, why don't you hit us with the biggest news of the hour? Well, I was I was gonna set the table a little bit because we were supposed to have a podcast on January 5th, Tuesday night. Uh, we were gonna record, and my wife went into labor about an hour before we were planned to record. You graciously allowed us to move the time, and. Uh, at 9.30 on January 5th, um, my daughter Winnie came into this world. That's awesome. And it, could, it, it was unbelievable. A, a smooth, healthy uh, delivery process. Like For uh, Walter, we were, Katie was in labor for over three days, over 72 hours. And, and early they were too, giving, right? Yeah, yeah, 32 weeks, and they were uh, giving her a bunch of stuff to stretch out the labor. And, you know, Oof. it worked, <laughs> right? We we got them to day one of week 33 and uh, spent 31 days in the NICU, but it was an arduous process. Um, Katie started, like, counting the the contractions, and she's like, these are building quick. Like, we should go yeah. in. And... I walked into the hospital at 7:30. Um, we're holding that baby two hours later. That's, it was that's nuts. Great. Completely, yeah, completely night and day. Yeah, but wow. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is happy. Uh, Winnie is back home. Um, so all that to say is we get into 
the conversation about the events of January 6th. Well, let me say real quick, congratulations, and I'm glad everyone's doing well. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, still processing, like, what this means to our family. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, when the first one was born, it's surreal because you can't believe things. Like, they're just going to let us take this thing home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we We shouldn't be allowed to take a child home. Right. And... You know, for number two, it's uh, it's surreal because it's not weird at all. It's like, yeah, 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 let's go. We 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 know the beats here. Yep. We're yeah. Ready. Yeah. You so, know, it's um, it's it's definitely. I mean, that that's the same feeling we had. Is like that drive home. You're not as like white knuckles on the steering wheel. <laughs> um, yeah. And and you're you know you're the the hardest part becomes now you have two little humans to keep alive and one of them needs more attention because they are, you know, literally just they, you, they, you they eat because of you. They, everything, everything because of you and the other one demands more attention because they're a toddler. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's still a balancing act. I mean, our house was a, was an absolute, I, I pulled an old, uh, old dad move today. They were jumping on the couch while we were trying to eat dinner. <laughs> so so I flipped all the cushions up on the couch and said, all right, that's enough. You guys can sit on the floor now. This house is not a zoo. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I felt, and then they didn't sit on the couch. I felt like such a proud dad moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's some Bush League tactics. They're like, what yeah. are we going to do? There's no cushions there. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we can't sit on this thing. This isn't comfortable. Well, I bring... Uh... I mean, look, the the whole, this might be an okay segue, I don't know, but when we named this podcast Looks Like We're Lost, the whole idea was specifically about things like, I've never raised a girl before, you know? Mm-hmm. Born in a male-centric family, I've got one little sister six years younger than me, uh, and it took me... Yeah, a long time to get to a point where I would say I was of average male maturity. And the whole point of looks like we're lost was we're we're pushing into some aspects of our lives for which there might not have been training for. Mm-hmm. And yet that can't scare us. It's got to be an adventure. So lost or not, like let's explore these territories. So I think a topic like raising our children is evergreen. And we will talk about that ad nauseum on probably a little bit in every podcast. Yep, for sure. But what what was interesting about us getting our Tuesday night rescheduled was I'm having one of these seminal moments of my life on Wednesday. Uh, and so I intentionally, like when I saw headlines, there's some like uh, chat on our work um, WebEx teams, I saw some people saying things. I saw the headlines and felt my emotions starting to kind of boil mm-hmm. around the events in the nation's capital. And I intentionally did not <clears throat> did not go onto social media or read any of the articles because I wanted to stay present in the first day of my daughter's life. It's like, yeah. I want to be here, right? Um, and because of that... <laughs> 
I wake up this morning and I am rolling through headlines <laughs> and my my head has been spinning all day like Katie looked over at me after about 15 minutes on my phone and I set it down I'm just like yeah uh, she's yeah. like reading headlines and I was like I just saw about 300 straight Instagram stories and I have no idea where my brain is yeah dude yeah, I you know I even had I did the same thing, man. Where I I couldn't, I I felt myself getting angry, really angry, uh, watching. And I guess for context, I mean I'm assuming everybody knows, but you know, January sixth, a bunch of uh, call them protesters, terrorists. We you know th- there's a lot of names in between. I mean probably at the at the at the mildest protest, at the most extreme, I don't know, terrorists, treason, it whatever. Um, they stormed the Capitol, violence ensued, people were, were shot and killed, destruction was done. I mean, it really, a, a real tear in the fabric of, of American democracy. Um, but, but I found myself just getting like mad and having, and I was fighting a lot of ghosts. I was argue, I was having shadow arguments <laughs> with, with people mm. on social media with posts that I didn't even make or comments I didn't even put out into the ether. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I do want to, um, this is going to be something that's studied for years and years and years. Our kids are going to learn about this in us history, world history, potentially and who knows where this, where this road ends. But, I, but I wanted to at least be a part of it in so much as I, I witnessed something. Right. And and I tried as much as I could to separate my emotions and not engage with people on it. Uh, I probably shouted down a few echo chambers to just get those emotions out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, man, I mean, you could you could really get spun up into this stuff and it could change your month or your whole year, you know? Well, and I couldn't agree more first. Um Two, I, I'm glad that we have this space here because yeah. even knowing those, those shadow arguments, I was doing the same thing. And like, I'm, I don't even know what the purpose of it is. I guess to like orient myself amidst this chaotic news that I've discovered, like maybe the country I live in isn't the, what I thought it was. Maybe the, the people... I see around me aren't the stable Americans I I thought they were. Right. And I think, and so, you know, it's probably the first time you and I, you know, we've only done seven episodes here, right? But this is like the first time where I feel like uh, we're talking about an event where the country has to collectively feel lost in what we're grappling with here. Yeah. And I do think it's the entire country because... You know, of course I could be wrong, but there weren't a million people storming the Capitol. Someone you tried know? to tell me that I, today. <laughs> they tried to say a million, million people. people. I was like, I don't, I was like, I, I said, uh, well, I'd be surprised if there were more than 50,000, to be honest. Right. And look, at whatever the number was, I'm I'm pretty sure, like... 
if you got an honest survey of the American population, we're not going to test out at high percentages for people who think, um, yes, a forceful seizure of the Capitol to elect the president is the best way we should every four years, Royal rumble. Yeah. Like nobody thinks that's a good idea. Here's the crazy thing is if if you separate yourself from it, you can see that. And it's, and it's like, yeah, this is a subgroup of a subgroup. But our only access to this stuff is the media, whether it be social media or which is arguably worse, right? It's it can it can turn into uh, you know echo chambers or we're hand selecting stuff that we want to see as opposed to things that the media will show us. But depending on which side of the aisle you fall on, they will their whole mission, it seems, is to convince you that the other 50 percent think this is okay Mm -hmm. instead of saying these are a group of radicals the average person if you polled them no matter what their political affiliation is is going to say yeah it's probably not the right thing to do they should be Mm -hmm. you know but you know because of uh i don't know the tribalism that we that we've kind of found ourselves in you're either this or that right where's the space for the people that are nuanced right well i think that's a good place to maybe anchor this conversation because the the split sides and the idea that you win or lose based upon these elections um it really just I'll boil it down this way so we can talk about something tangible. Something that's stuck with me since we talked about it, I don't know, a couple months ago, back when the election was rolling. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that there were were individuals, they might have been friends or family members, who they found out you were voting a certain way. And the fact that they'd known you for two decades did not make them think that maybe the person you were voting for was a solid option. It made them think that you, the guy they've known personally for two decades, was coming unglued. Mm -hmm. And so I think we can't dismiss the, the power of like the duopoly narrative that you're one side or the other and it's win or loss. And like that controls the fate of the nation. And I, I wanted to, when I say anchor the conversation, go back to a thing you mentioned about this being a a banner day in American history, because the thing that journalist cycles do is they churn and they move on. But don't you feel like there's got to be thousands of like U.S. civics high school teachers that, that think they just let folks down, like on a regular basis? Like, nobody really has this cohesive idea of what it is to be an American. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it is, the, the American team has been winning for so long that now we're fighting over who's captain. Yeah. Not winning, not winning games. Well, you know, and I think part of it is, um, it, it, it is winning at, 
whatever cost. And we've swept some ugly, ugly truths under the rug. You know, rather than as a nation dealing with them, we've kind of marginalized them. You're talking about, you know, our nation built on slavery, uh, racism that is has fundamentally shaped, you know, housing, policing, you know, schooling, so on, and taxing everything. Um, and now that we start to you start to peel back that a little bit and and look at the underbelly and like. Uh, you know, sometimes people don't like what they see and, and there, maybe there's some, I don't know, denial, but, but yeah, you're right. We, we've, we've been in a state of we're the best, right? I mean, you know, think, think about, I mean, I can think very clearly that, uh, you know, in school we're, we're taught the U S has never lost a war. Vietnam. Uh, yeah, Vietnam, that's hard to tell, but we've never lost a war. And there's this American superiority complex that it's like, well, there's always the yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, sure, we did that, but, you know, we look, look how great we are. And uh, it's one of the things, you know, I, th- I think we'll be talking to my buddy, Jeremy, um, who is a, I'd call him a, a well, I don't want to call him. I don't call him anything. I think he's he's proud to be from this country, but there's a lot of things that I think he sees as to how it could be even greater or even better, or maybe those are too simple of of descriptors. But but more inclusive would probably be the best way to say it. So I'm excited to talk to him about that too because it's a very different perspective and, and narrative uh, than than I've kind of lived a lot of my life. Yeah, I am too. I, especially because I think he brings a thoughtful perspective to some socialist approaches and like lifting up the disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I have too often leaned on. You know, you look at when I say America's been winning, it's because of things like if you make thirty-five thousand dollars, you're in the top one percent of the world. Right. You know, the fact that if you live in this country, you have the, you know, the standard by which all other currencies in the world are measured against. And, and, you know, say what you want, say what you will about money, but it's the universal placeholder for value. It's Mm -hmm. the story we human beings have created to tell ourselves what things are worth. And when everybody judges the material of the planet against your standard of currency, then like this is a good place to be. Now that doesn't that doesn't erase the nuanced problems we have. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean about like people are fighting over who's captain. It's like nobody wants to be the twelfth man on the bench, even on a winning team. Like it still right. sucks. You're sitting around being like, I'm I'm not getting any run, nobody appreciates what I do. Like and when we talk about matters of personal well being, those emotions of dejection become much more intense because and you know this takes me back to uh what does it mean to be an american because ultimately the problem with the the two-sided narrative is you're arguing about ideas right uh pick pick any topic that we're divided on pro-life pro-choice uh gun rights 
guns kill people. The the classic ideas that split us down the middle. Those are those are just ideas, and you build some statistics around them. You try to say like people need the right to choose. Um, you know, we need to exercise our freedoms. But at the end of the day, people are not ideas. If you pull a gun on someone in the Capitol, you are threatening to extinguish a life. And something I've been thinking about since yesterday with, you know, while I'm holding this brand new baby life in my arms, mm-hmm. is that life is really the only miracle. It's the only thing we're sure is a miracle. We don't know why it exists. We don't know where it came from. We don't really know what it's for. And because it holds all that mystery and potential promise, it is the thing that must be held most sacred. And when you talk about what is it to be an American, you know, settle all the arguments around the Pledge of Allegiance, right? But life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is number one. Protect it. Liberty. You're free until your freedom infringes upon someone else's freedom, and that's where the, what the law is for. Okay, we have to stop everything, evaluate the cases of both private parties, and start sorting through this mess to see who is vindicated in their way of action. And then freedom can continue. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then the pursuit of happiness comes last. And I just don't think very many people are assigning to that credo first and foremost. Mm. They're they're right or they're left or they've picked their guy. They're whatever they're whatever they've decided to be. And they're not Mm -hmm. plugging into that unifying theme of what makes this the place that you would even want to win, you know? Yeah, yeah. To use the team thing, are you a basketball player? Look, if you're a football player, you don't care if somebody says you're the 12th man on their bench. Like You you have nothing going on. I've got no skin in the game of Irish politics, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's it's funny when you outline that, you know, the – life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Cause I think about that sometimes. And, and there, there are issues where I'm, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to know the answers to, but I, th- I do think that part of life, and this is something that, you know, maybe wasn't as relevant in the 1700s when they wrote this thing, but healthcare, right? If a lot of people th- there, if, if they were to get injured, don't have proper health care coverage or any health care coverage to the point where getting in a bad car accident literally ruins their life. They're in debt forever. They have to declare bankruptcy, whatever. And it's very easy. You, you and I have been very fortunate. We were born in good into good households, in good parts of the country. We're white. Um, you know, our, our parents were able to provide for us. We never really had to worry about that first part. Really, the pursuit of happiness was kind of the only thing we had to worry about. Every, you know, the other ones were just assumed. There are a lot of people, um, and marginalized in our society that they still worry about the first one. 
like life, right? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to, where am I going to get food today? You know, how am I going to feed my kids today? Um, you know, and then you start talking about liberty, like, yeah, well, how is the law going to see me? Right. Or, you know, the, the, you've, you've read the books. I'm not there yet, but the books by Matt Tybee on the criminal justice system and, Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it's, it's not an anti law enforcement, it's a system that's built to suppress, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, you're right. When, when you say everyone's on both sides is hell bent on winning, but what's the prize? And is the prize just we, for you and your people, you know? The... I started to talk, but then your question... No, go ahead, man. Sorry. No, your question intrigued me. What is the prize? And I think that's also... uh, It's wrapped up into the what does it mean to be an American situation, right? Because if the idea is that America is a land of opportunity, and, you know, this is part of the... I think the... I think it's part of the ethos of this podcast when we put it together, which is I don't know exactly what the point of this journey is. Mm-hmm. I'm making it up as I progress through life. I'm building meaning for myself. You yeah, know, like the, what like yeah, like what um you have your goals and your and your uh, accountability mirror. Mm-hmm. If you hit those okay. <laughs> like right. what is it what is it driving you toward you know it, and, and right. in some and in some cases we should feel so lucky that we don't have to like if you live in the barren deserts of africa you don't have an accountability mirror <laughs> like yeah. you're like do i die from famine or do i not and and you're right and so it's like we're so lucky that we we have this opportunity i'm throwing you off and track I think here. That i'm that's... just thinking big picture you know No, no, because it's all part of the same thing, which is if the actions of a few hundred, a few thousand can jeopardize the well-being of hundreds of millions, and it can, it always has, right? You know, people, a small group flies a plane into a building and trajectories of entire generations are altered forever. Yeah. Like the the actions of a few matter, and so I I don't think this is something that's worth dismissing. But how do you recalibrate the story of what we're doing? One of the things that's bothered me, and I was just talking to my father-in-law about this, um, is a lot of headlines that have been angled towards like Trump incites riot. Mm-hmm. You know. And look, anybody who knows me, if you've even been listening to this podcast, like I got no love or respect for the guy. Uh, right. Likewise. <laughs> but <laughs> right, it's, to me, he could not be more of a joke. But the, to pin it on him and say, like, ding dong, the witch is dead, is it's it's fucking buffoonery is what it is because it doesn't, it does not, it doesn't assess the situation at all. It doesn't assess any of the people 
that have escalated this and it doesn't it doesn't solve the fact that we don't talk about ourselves as Americans that we don't look for what unifies us we mm-hmm. keep on clashing over what divides us mm-hmm. and so if if we just keep on spinning this this yarn around a day like today about like hey you thought your side was right well look at that you know mm-hmm. it makes zero sense and that is that is to me my biggest fear of like what the outcome is here is that everybody on the left looks at the folks on the right and says like wow so your all your points are no longer valid yeah and everybody on the right feels further disenfranchised because they get hammered over this and it just gives way to whatever the next version of January 6th was. Yeah. And what we're what we're not talking about is like the nuance or like hey, where do we agree on these things? Yeah. Well, I think to um yeah, I hadn't thought about it this way, but surely he, you know, Donald Trump had his hand in this he he had he had his uh he he bears his responsibility for part you know in part of whatever what happened but that then absolves all the individuals who made personal decisions to do what to do what they did but you're right there there there's a deeper beyond this either either a they love Donald Trump as if he were a god which is very possible cults do exist mm-hmm. Or there's a level of disenfranchisement amongst a group of people in America that is not being addressed. And they feel that these people in some way feel unseen, right? Sure. Well, it's definitely number two. And I was thinking about this. So I'll try to keep this concise. But I was thinking about this. But let me say, let let me me just be clear, though. I don't think that that is a justification for the actions that were taken in, in the same way that, you know, in the same way that, you know, I'm, I'm fully supportive of the, of the, um, you know, the black lives matter protests, but, you know, I don't also don't believe that the looting and the setting things on fire and, and, you know, destruction of property and things like that are justified. But, but again, in the same vein, these the people that are doing this are at a point of such despair. I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about this when he talks about like, you know, people who go out and commit mass killings, they're at a point of such despair that they don't give a damn consequences be damned. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get any worse. What am I going to go to jail? Okay. That might be better than mm-hmm. my current situation. And you know, so we're you and I generally speaking are pretty far removed from that, you know, but for sure. But it exists, and it's, it's it's on full display, you know? No, I think, look, I've thought about this in the reverse. Like, if happiness and meaning and what we're searching for is as we try to build these lives, if it has something to do with anything, I think that thing is probably community. Mm-hmm. You know? This is part of the reason I couldn't wait to just, like, get on this podcast, not because, like— we have something so novel to say, but because right. it is so, it is so clarifying for me to talk to a friend and like, Hey man, how are you feeling about this? I, like, I, 
Yeah, and here's how I'm feeling about this. And mm-hmm. afterwards, you feel heard and you feel like someone cares. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, I think that is a huge part of what you know. If you do read all of Matt Taibbi's work, what, what you get to eventually in his most recent book, Hey Inc., is, is how the current uh, way that the media treats politics and the way that politics is structured to win is is leaving a lot of people out in the cold, is treating a lot of people like idiots and mm-hmm. as if the media knows what's best for the people. And and that's why people don't trust it, and that leads to the, the inflamed sides that we have. And I think even when you talk about the white male and, like, you know, what do we have to complain about? One of the reasons I'm... Um, interested in talking to uh, Jeremy around the topic of toxic masculinity is when you get into a lot of groups that make a lot of noise lately, whether you're talking about uh, queer theory, transgender theory, um, LGBTQ rights, uh, oppressed minorities due to race, I do think as ridiculous as this sounds, the fact that white males don't have like a comfortable way to talk about what is bothering them mm-hmm. and like where they feel separated from the opportunities being given to all Americans, the fact that they don't have an avenue to safely talk about that does lead to a lot of white men feeling disenfranchised, just like the other groups feel disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. They have trouble plugging into community, pr- trouble talking about what's going on with their lives. And look, you know, like the old Louis C.K. joke, like I would sign up for white male again. Like you, you give me another <laughs> run through life. Like yeah. this has been pretty good to me. Yeah. Like I, I like it. But I do think that that is – that is certainly a real issue uh, yeah. for, for everybody. Everybody who acts crazy, you know, barring legitimate mental health issues, you can probably trace it back to some sort of disenfranchisement and some sort of lack of positive community. For sure. Yeah, and, and you know, I think this ties in, too, when, you know, when we talk about, you know, what is – white privilege and to me you know that that's that that just means that amongst anything else the color of your skin has not been an obstacle or a hindrance to anything you've tried or wanted to do in life or or it's never been a a reason that you were potentially denied something in life but it's deeper but but that, that doesn't mean that people that are that are white and especially white men don't experience their own types of of, uh, of issues. And especially when you get into rural America and, um, even, even urban, you know, even, even urban America, but you know, when, when you hear privilege or, or they, when, when people like this hear privilege, they think, well, I don't have any privilege. I'm poor mm-hmm. as hell. You know, I work 60 hours a week and make $20,000 a year. Uh, and, and so, the, well, that's a, what I was wanting to say, yeah, actually. Yeah. Sorry, but this is dead on the point, is those 
if you're a rich, athletic black man, let's just take LeBron James. Everyone knows who he is. His life is better than the poor white male who's, you know, maybe has a part-time job, but he goes six months out of the year unemployed and he's Mm -hmm. hooked on, you know, some drug, right? That guy is at a worse situation than LeBron. Now, did it start that way? Does he deserve to be? Neither here nor there. That guy is not the idea of white privilege. Right. Right? And so when we talk about ideas like white privilege, the more you talk about that, the more somebody who is down on their luck, because he's not, he's a person, he's not an idea. Mm-hmm. Like, he feels disenfranchised because he's like, what is this white privilege? Like, people are crazy. And then right. they end up exactly where you're saying, like, with nothing to lose. Yeah. And that's, well, yeah, that's I what it's... I mean when I say people aren't ideas. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, at, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And that's, but the, the, but the problem is in, and it happened very, it, it was, I saw a tweet that said, well, that escalated very slowly over the last four years. Um, but, but this, <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- this is something like that's that. kind of just gradually been creeping in and all of a sudden everything has become politicized. Everything. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, you like, you drink LaCroix? Mm, you must be a liberal. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, oh, you, oh, you drink, you buy bottled water? Oh my gosh, bad on the economy. You must be this. It's like every yeah. micro decision you make, um, I mean, hell, we're talking about wearing masks for the sake of all public health. And it's like, well, if you wear one, yeah. <laughs> sheep. And it's like, how did we get here? You know, how, how do we get here? Um, and, uh, it's, I I think part of it is it's just very easy. It it makes it easy for people. One, you don't have to think you're told what your ideas are. You, okay. If you're a Republican, Mm -hmm. you believe these things. If you're a Democrat, you believe these things and they're like all encompassing. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. all encompassing. Like you can be, you can be, it's like you can be a Democrat, but you better not be too strong in your Christian faith because that infringes upon other faiths. Yeah. You know, you can, you know, and it's like, you can be a Republican, but you better not be too accepting. Right. Because then, you know, you're about, you know, these different, and it's like, it's left. no Yeah. There's there's no party for the, the pro-life lesbian. Right. 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 And it doesn't even make sense. Doesn't equate. Right, and it, so it makes it, one, it makes it easy so people don't have to do the hard thinking of what do I believe? I just slap a red or a blue on me and call it a day. It also makes it easy to dissect somebody. So you see somebody out in public, they're wearing a certain type of clothes or they're driving a certain type of car and you can look at that person and you can say, you have a br- bumper sticker. Oh yeah, they're that kind of person, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I don't know. I, I really hope we we make our way out of this <laughs> uh, just just through, I mean, through conversations and learning and understanding people. I don't know. I don't know how we get there, but I hope we do. Well, I'm still optimistic. Um, I can tell you I'll, this. I can tell you this, yeah. man. Right after I sent you a message where I was like, man, yesterday was the first time where I was like, man, 
you don't just sit back and you throw up that American flag and you're like, hell yeah, brother. You're kind of like, well, if I put up the American flag today, <laughs> am yeah. I like, you know, but, but I was talking with a colleague of mine who lives in Europe and she was like, you know, we, we just casually were talking about, you know, what happened. Cause you know, the, the U S doesn't care. doesn't pay attention really at all to what happens in European politics or whatever, but they still are paying attention to what's going on here because for all the reasons you mentioned. Right. But, but she point blank said, she's like, people look at America as the gold standard that mm. it's the gold standard of democratic Republic, um, of thriving and capitalism and so on and so forth. And so even still, there's reason to be proud to be here, to be American and still acknowledge that we have some flaws that need to be worked out. And I think this, this all ends up coming back to, you know, what we talk about all the time where, you know, you wake up and you make your own bed and then you just, you just try to be the example that you want your family to be, your kids to be. And then that can infect one other person, right? And so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So, I mean, I think that's the, you know, yeah. for me, when I look at why we do this, you know, if 10 people listen to us talk about anything on this podcast and they're like, oh yeah, I like how that, I like how that sounded. And maybe they take it with them. I don't know. Well, if the, if anybody feels like there's people that feel like they do, it calms the mm-hmm. nerves, right? Mm-hmm. And what I think is difficult to be articulated when you search for those things is I feel confused. I feel angry. I don't have the bandwidth to change the trajectory of these events that are creating this confusion in my life. And I just want to know that like my kids are going to be safe at school and I'm Mm going to have a job this time next year. Mm -hmm. And can somebody make the crazy go away? Yeah. And I think a lot of us feel like that. And I think a lot of us are trying our best. I really... (laughs) I really legitimately do. I, I think I think so too, man. I think so, and and we didn't really get a chance to talk about it. I know we probably have to wrap up soon because you probably have a, a sleeping baby or uh, a wife to 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 uh, to relieve duty of. But the, if if people haven't seen the movie Soul, um, oh, yeah, I do want to talk. I want to do. I want to do five minutes on Soul. I want to hit our card real quick, and yeah. then we can peace out. Cool. So, spoiler alert, my uh, recommendation will be to watch the movie Soul on Disney+. Plus. Um, <laughs> I'll second that. But but it just, it, you know, it, it encompasses what we're all trying to accomplish. Like, everyone thinks, I gotta have a thing. I gotta be the something person. Or I gotta... When in reality, life is just about living life. It's just about appreciating the sounds and the smells and the tastes and the connection, right? It, it, well, I don't want to, I guess we should probably have said spoiler alert, right? <laughs> like we're going to talk sure. about the movie. We won't give any specifics, but, but ultimately it, 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 it really gave me just this feeling of like, it, like just existing sometimes 
and engaging is good enough. And it, and in fact, maybe it's not like good enough. It's the entire purpose. Well, when I said thinking about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, the way I got to that thought was holding a baby that was less than 24 hours old and thinking to myself that life really is a miracle. Absolutely. Like it's the, it is the miracle, mm-hmm. right? And we start living it and we start thinking that it's about all these things, like specific things, the the biggest car, the next job promotion. I've got to, I've got to write the best book. I've got to, I got to make this band, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's not about any of those things. And, or, or it's about all of those things. Mm-hmm. Th- that's the beauty of it is you kind of get it aside. But if you can't step back and appreciate that, that it is this big nebulous thing that you can, to a large degree, craft into what you'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it is a gift and not, not a burden. Mm-hmm. And getting your head around to that idea, that choice, I think it. I think Soul was the best, most fun version of that lesson I've seen in years. Yeah, and. I was I was curious about two things. I had two questions I wrote down that I wanted to ask you. Uh, one, and we've kind of talked about this in a roundabout way, but like, what do you think that the folks who make a movie like that, who wrote it, directed it, what do you think they hope for when someone like you or I watches it? What do they hope the impact will be? Gosh, dude. I mean, first of all, they're they're brilliant. To be it, because because so Everett watched the entire movie, and he's watched it three times now and loves it, and it's and it's so existential. It's like and Everett's what four, four, yeah, yeah, incredible. And loves it. I mean, his favorite part, obviously, you know, his his favorite part is the uh, when the cat says, "I'm a cat, I can do this," and jumps off the bed and lands on his face, um, <laughs> which he'll tell anybody who he'll tell that to anybody who asks him. Um, but I mean, you you have to you have to think. I think when 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 the people that are that are writing producing that that film are trying to help create space for parents or adults to to open the door for these conversations with their kids in the same way that the. Uh, Oh shoot! What was the name of the one with all like the feelings? Like, they were all different Inside colors. Inside out. Inside, Inside out. Inside out. I know that because I know movies. Yeah, yeah, you do know movies. You and you have an eidetic memory, which is insane. Um, but but in the same way, there we're like you know it it gives it gives a safe place and an easy way for for me as a as an adult and also with my kids to talk about things that aren't just like. Well, look, the bad guy lost and the good guy won. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what that's a good springing off point. Well, I think it's answered in this question, which will lead us right back to our original conversation, which is, had you ever, before this movie, really given much thought to the 
difference between a person's passion and a person's purpose. And I'll try to make that a little bit clearer. When we talk about like, oh, my life is about this thing or that thing, or let's say you're really passionate about, I don't know, topic off the top of my head, politics. Yeah, And you think that there is one side that will really make a difference in this world. And so you get passionate about it. You start helping campaign. You're making social media posts. You got the sign in your yard. And at some point, it might feel like the point of your life is to bring this political ideal to bear for the good of all mankind. Mm-hmm. And I think that the creators did an incredible job of saying passion is incredible. It is a thing to be admired, and that is the spark that gets us all out of bed in the morning. But never, ever confuse it with the purpose of being a living human being. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I, I stood up from that, and I was just like, man, that, you know, as a fresh father who's, like, been toiling with a novel during the exact same time I'm trying to be a good dad. Mm-hmm. Like I, I couldn't have seen the split anymore clearly to me. It just yeah. spoke straight. It spoke straight to my soul. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need to answer the question. You, you hit the nail on the head is that's, I, I don't know that I've ever considered it in that, in, in that phrase, but, but 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 it did make it such a such a delin. It's like yeah. I mean, I don't need to add to it. You you hit it perfectly, man. That that's exactly right. Yeah, I I'll I'll add that as my recommendation as well. I I think it's it is the only movie of 2020 that I I would put the tag must see on. Yeah, so good. I know we didn't. I know we didn't have a lot of movies this year, but like for me, that takes the cake. If they do. If they do an Oscars year, I would. I I know normally an animated movie doesn't take home Best Picture, but throw it in the mix. And and how good was Jamie Fox? Huh? How good was Jamie Fox? Incredible, unbelievable. Oh, one other thing I want to say about the movie, and you know, also this doesn't spoil anything, but gets into something. Twenty two, so twenty two is a little soul being. It's a pre-human. Like mm-hmm. up in uh, this training camp for souls, where they're trying to find out like what they'll, what they'll be, what excites them about life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they give it the voice of Tina Fey, and yet at no point throughout the movie, you know, and they even come out to a point to like, oh, my voice could be anything, and so you start thinking of this soul as being a woman just because you know Tina Fey's voice. But never at any point does that soul have any gender, sexual awareness, sexual identity. It is completely unhinged to just feel what life could be. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a brilliant counterpoint to the work Jamie Foxx was doing with his character that had a very concrete idea of, this is this is what I'm made for. Right, you know? right. Yeah. So I, I just thought like all of that nuanced character work was 
without without being too hit you in the face with it was awesome. Yeah. Great flick. Great flick. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll pull our finding ourselves question of the week. Let's I pulled it. it on the way up. All right. And reading it now, it's a short one, so it shouldn't take us too long. Okay. How would I how would I describe my relationship with myself in one word? The constraint of one word is always demanding. Yeah. I'll share a quick story about this. Yeah, uh, and I'll, I'll ponder while you're, while you're telling the story, yeah. In one of my early group therapy sessions, we did a uh, routine exercise where everybody gets up, you have a ball in your hand, and you toss the ball, uh, just two people in the circle. So it goes around. And you could catch it two or three times. The point of... And more if we kept going. But the point of the exercise was every time the ball came to you, you described yourself with one word. Mm. Now, this is different than describing your relationship with yourself, but you described yourself with one word. And people would routinely, almost everybody, uh, father, Mm -hmm. uh, son, like they immediately went to those sort of things. Um, it was very difficult for people to describe them. And that's not even a word to describe themselves, right? It describes a relationship with somebody else. Oh, yeah. But I always thought that was interesting. That's everybody's knee-jerk reaction. And we don't have a word for our relationship with ourself. Like, no. I, I'm, I'm just me, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know what a father owes a son. You know what a husband owes a wife. Right. Like you and I are familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Like that's my duty. And that did get me thinking, like, I don't have a word for what I owe myself. Yeah. Uh, Gosh. You know what? I I mean, you know what what, comes to mind? (laughs) Let me hear it. uh, Complicated. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. That's a good one. And the reason why I'll just I'll just indulge me is. In some moments, super compassionate with myself, my relationship with myself, like, you know, o- almost as if looking at myself, especially when I'm thinking about stuff that I did or said or lived or experienced at a much younger age, it's almost as if I'm forgiving my younger self, like looking at looking at me and saying, you did the best you could with what you knew at the time, right? You didn't do you didn't do what, what you now know you probably should have done because the consequences seem so great. And and even even in moments where, you know, we're in, I'm in sales and so if I don't hit my hit my target, it's like it's in some moments it's like, hey, dude, you you gave it your best shot and and you left it all out there and it didn't pan out the way you wanted it to, but that's all right. In other moments, I can be incredibly hard on myself. I can be a bit of a perfectionist. And so in this, on the other side of that coin, if I don't get to my, my target, my goal, my quota, whatever, it's like, how much more could you have done? Did you waste time? Did you procrastinate? You know, and, and almost overly self-critical about, about what, what I did or, or didn't do. And so it creates this weird dichotomy in, in, in like decision-making for me where in some moments when I'm much more compassionate with myself, it's like we make a decision, boom, we're going to go with the decision. We're going to go to do this thing. 
No second guesses. I'm gung-ho. I'm ready to go. Here's the credit card. Let's do this thing. In other moments, I'm so critical about making the decision and what other people might think of the decision. And I start spinning and it's like I can't make a decision because I'm already judging myself for whatever decision I haven't even made. So I think <laughs> I think complica- if I could have three words, it would be critical, compassionate, and complicated. But, but uh, for one, complicated. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's in so many ways like that's just like that's the perfect word you know i think what yeah. you said about like forgiving forgiving your past self that really rings true with me uh and and it's i might have said something to you about this recently but like so much about what my life is now is becoming doing the work that makes me feel strong enough and confident enough in my direction that I feel emotionally capable of carrying my entire messy past along with me. Like mm-hmm. I don't need to keep apologizing for it. I I feel good about where I've gotten to and that it's kind of like how they say success is the best revenge. It's mm-hmm. like success is also kind of the best therapy. You just have to define that success correctly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so like, and yet that doesn't change, you know, the, the way I know I was and the way I felt. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I, saying it, complicated, I mean, it's, it's for, 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 for two guys that are really, you know, we grapple with the past. We're looking to what we want our lives to look like or what we want to be. It may always be complicated because it's a mm-hmm. self self awareness and self improvement is always messy because you do yeah. have to grapple with some demons right you do have to you do have to be have compassion for yourself but at the same time you have to be a little critical of yourself because otherwise you would just kind of float along right you would just where would the motivation be you know well and that brings me I guess to what my word would be. The first word I thought of was like acclimated, like I'm just mm. kind of like used to being me, but that's not really right because I I try to do a lot of things to hammer myself out of like that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So I I think the word is repetitive. My mm. relationship with myself is repetitive. And you know, I I made a post on my first accountability mirror post on Instagram where I talked about uh, you know, kind of my internal workout mantra, the road narrows. Mm-hmm. And the reason I love that image is because if you're on the the road, it kind of always feels the same. Like mm-hmm. you're just driving always. Mm-hmm. And as the road gets skinnier and more difficult to navigate, you also get more skilled and capable. Like, you've made it this far. You're stronger. You're in better shape. You're wiser. Mm-hmm. And yet the problems are new or different or maybe more complex. And so it you're getting better, but life is getting more difficult. And so the resistance of your life feels the exact same. Getting out of bed has just as much gravity holding you down at age 50 as it did at age 16. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I, 
I don't I say I think repetitive has a lot of negative connotation, but I think the secret is understanding that your life is repetitive and you can use that recurring routine to hammer it into something that you're proud of. Mm-hmm. So even though even though that word uh elicits an emotion of stasis I don't think that my relationship with myself is in stasis. It was repetitive when I was a teenager. It's repetitive when I'm 30, and I love it now more than I loved it then. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah, you already answered my question because I was going to say repetitive. Is that a because it does come with a negative connotation? Like same same shit, different day. <laughs> Hell yeah! Right, bring it on! Right, bring it on! Right. Right. Well, dude. Is, but, but that's that's the thing, man. If happiness is about frequency, not intensity, then same shit, different day is like the best ever. You mean I get to do that again? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's Giddy it's up. funny. Yeah, you, you everyone everyone that's a parent has probably seen you know these tweets or these meme accounts for like dads and moms. Um and and it's like at the end of it, you put your kids down to bed and you both are like, Oh my gosh, whew, what are we doing? And then five minutes later, you're on the yeah. couch sharing pictures of your kids together. It's like, I can't wait for yeah. them to wake up in the morning again. <laughs> it's like, I, I was going to go look at them while they're sleeping, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, that's the, the, the yin and yang man, the push and pull. Yeah, yeah man. Well, dude, uh, congratulations again. Thanks, brother. On on the baby girl. I don't have any advice for raising a girl. Well, you could just be like half of my other friends and say, keep her off the pole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thanks, guys. Yeah, you're you're surrounded. We'll have to have um, we'll have to have Quint on here one time, friend of the pod, to. Uh, to discuss, you know, raising girls and and so forth, because he's got a bit of a head start on you. Yeah, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need that wisdom. Yeah, man. Question. Well, dude, this All has right, been brother. awesome. I've really enjoyed this. Hey, as always, the pleasure's all on this end of the uh, teleconference meeting. Well, it is. Yeah, the one who's recording. All right, dude. <laughs> hey, Go get some rest night, if you can. I'll talk man. to you later. All right, brother. Will See do. you, man. All right, Peace. bye. <laughs>